My name is Ben. Hello, my name is Rusty. And we're the hosts of the Two Vague Podcast this week. How are you doing, Rusty? Doing good. Yeah? Anything exciting going on in your life? Um, Lack of air conditioning? <laughs> yeah, lack of air conditioning in my apartment right now and then have an interview tomorrow. Good luck. Well, thank you, thank you. This week, we are going to talk about the word resilience. So, Rusty, you mentioned to me that you wanted to talk about this word. What is it about the word that captivates you? The reason I really like the word and I picked the word resilience is is something I feel that a lot of us don't give ourselves enough credit for okay of how resilient we really are you mean like day-to-day situations or yeah just day-to-day situations from the beginning of your life till now the world beats you down and it's you're a lot more resilient i think people are a lot more resilient than they believe they are when you talk about resilience you think of uh the dictionary definition which is the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties is that correct yeah, I would say for for the most part. I mean, part, it's a, yeah. it is a little more nuanced, yeah, right? Yeah, it would be a little more nuanced, I'd say. Do you have any uh, stories or connections to the word resilience that you that you wanted to bring up, or is it? Um, I mean, you yeah, just, is it just you love the word? Both. I mean, I have plenty of stories that I feel I was resilient in, right? In those moments and stuff. I mean, yeah. from you know, I mean, the first one that comes to mind is being married once before, and then having to recover from that there's a resilience to it in my opinion you say recover from that do you mean that your first experience being married left you feeling like you were suspicious or you were not willing to go through that again i mean is there a reason um yeah i mean i would say it was definitely like almost i would say broken okay and like you know within the definition it even it has that word recovery Although in this aspect, it wasn't quick, yeah, it was still resilience in my mind. Oh, yeah, definitely. Sometimes resilience, I mean, it's, it's not an overnight process. Yeah, exactly. And the resilience, in my opinion, came into play like once I was finally healed and like being willing to get back into that world and, you know, give it another go, give it another try, be resilient in that act of the pursuit of love. That's good. And you feel better for it, yeah? Oh, yeah. I mean, if I hadn't got back out there, I never would have met my wife now. I'm knowing you from before. You're just about one of the most positive attitude kind of people that I've ever met in my life. Just like everything, very positive attitude. Is there a secret to that? It doesn't have to do with resilience? Yeah, I think it kind of does, actually. Like, going through everything I went through with going back to that, like, first marriage and everything. It was like, after that, I decided that one of the ways I can be resilient is every day I get to wake up and I get to choose what kind of day I'm going to have. That's my choice. Right. It's something that I get to choose. The world can do its best to try and beat me down or anything else, but I'm the captain of my own ship, yeah. of my emotions. I am the person that's in control of those. Yeah. And so I choose every day to even if it's a rough one and I don't want to be up at five thirty in the morning. Right. It's like I get to choose to be happy. It's my choice. And the world can do its best to kind of knock me down and sometimes it does. Yeah. But it is my choice to be happy. And I think also you should forgive yourself if it doesn't happen that way. I try to remain positive, but there are times where it's more difficult. It doesn't feel like it's controllable, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, 
And so, I mean, trying to do things that kind of go towards remaining positive or keeping your attitude or or your morale, I guess, high yeah. is very important for being resilient. And also, I think, to some extent, picking and choosing the things that you get concerned about or focus on is very important when it comes to resilience. I think a lot of people, like, for example, I don't know if I should mention this, that the, <laughs> you, you mentioned in our conversation offline, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Yeah. And there is just entirely too much focus on that right now when we should be focusing on probably, you know, more on ourselves or other things that are happening. But my gosh, every time I pull up Twitter or Instagram or whatever, I get news on that. Oh, it's everywhere right now. And speaking of marriage (laughs) and ex-wives, right? It was just simply an illustration as to how we get distracted by things. Mm -hmm. And part of resilience, I think, is emotional support from people is very important for resilience, too. Because you're not always going to be able to do it on your own, right? Oh, absolutely. You have to have your friends, your family, your groups to help you through something. I mean, you can try your best to do it alone, but it doesn't always work out. No. We're humans need other humans. We need each other. That's why we're such social creatures and we need that. Yeah. And it helps you be resilient. It really does. There's also the the piece like trusting others too. A lot of people can have trust issues when it comes to relationships. And I can say for myself, it does take a lot. If you violate my trust multiple times, I'm pretty strict on my three strikes you're out rule kind of mentality which is probably not the best way to handle things. But as far as being in my support system, you know, that's important to my well-being. And I like to think that I provide some of that in in return. Being resilient sometimes is tough, though. Oh, it absolutely is. It's it's something that some people have naturally, too, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just bounce back. And that's, that's kind of why I pointed out the fact that you have always have such a positive attitude whenever I see you. It's always upbeat. I, I, do, I can't imagine seeing you ever angry, but I'm sure it happens. <laughs> oh, it happens. It's, um, it's definitely a rarity. Yeah. But there's not much that gets me there. Yeah. But there is definitely, just like everyone else, there's definitely things that do and also sometimes it it builds right it's like it's like a um a water level that that rises right so yeah it's like i don't know i kind of like to think about it as like you have like a pot or a cup of water yeah and it's like those things that just keep get they get thrown into that cup and eventually that cup's gonna overflow and i mean that's just that's how that works yeah it's like you can only pile on so much that's very true what I wanted to bring up also really quickly about the word resilience. Have you ever used the Google Ngram viewer? I have not. Usually when you look up a word, it'll give you a graph. You can expand it and it shows the usage of this word in volumes of books over the course of 
a certain amount of, you know, like year by year, it breaks it down. Okay. And they call that, uh, it's a corpora, that's multiples. Corpus is the singular. So that's the corpus, the database of speech and written materials. Maybe I should talk about what an engram is really quick <laughs> in the field of computational linguistics. Okay. You're like, okay, yeah, I know that. <laughs> you know, I'm, it's like, I'm semi-familiar with those words. I know that those are words. <laughs> um, so with in the field of computational linguistics and probability, there's a thing called engram. There's an interesting thing about the usage of the word resilience. But in order to kind of explain what that is, I need to give you a tutorial on what the Ngram viewer is in Google. So have you ever heard of the Ngram viewer? I have not heard of it. Okay. It is a search function. Surprise, surprise. It's Google. In layman's terms, it shows you the usage of a word over time in a set of books or literature or speeches or whatever. Okay. So that's, that is what this thing provides you with is statistics on essentially the word usage over time. And what it looks like for the word resilience is the usage of that word started to spike tremendously in around year 2000. What, what do you think that would be? attributed to i mean theoretically there's no right answer i don't know i think it just it just came into people's life a lot more the idea of being resilient yeah just with where the way the world was at at that time period do you think it has anything to do with the advent of social media i mean i definitely would say that i mean yeah absolutely it's going to have an increase at that point in time because it's going to be able to have more usage right with social social media you get such a bigger like plethora of word usage where outside of it you you don't you're not really able to collect the data on that yeah where it's like when you have social media now and even back then is it was you were able to finally get that data even kind of a glossary of terms here as far as the ngram viewer basically the database in the books and speeches that is called a corpus It'll access and determine it based on that set of data, how things are used. Words in this case, but an engram can also show you things about usage. If you use this engram search, you can use syllables or uh, phonemes. Mm -hmm. I had to think about it for a second. Have you ever heard of the word phonemes? I had to look it up. I have not heard of the word. A phoneme is a unit of sound in a language that can distinguish words from each other. Okay. You can use that as a part of your search terms, and it's like letters, even misspellings. The Google Ngram viewer or Google Books Ngram viewer, you can search even misspellings and the like. Okay. The definition of an Ngram is a contiguous sequence of N items giving a sample of text or speech. So that's where the corpus comes into place. Those are the samples. And it shows you how over time the usage of the word in this case, that's that's what I use it most for. But you can use it for other things that are 
more linguistic research on how the phonemes, how they impact language over time and so on and so forth. But yeah, that's, it was kind of a little learning thing. Went down this rabbit hole. It's like, oh yeah, no, I know what this is, but what is it showing me? Okay. It's very useful when it comes to looking at words. If you look at the word in Google, pulls up the definition, and then it has a little thing that allows you to expand, and it shows you a graph of the usage over time from 1500s all the way to present day. Okay. You have to take that data with a grain of salt because how valid it is depends on a lot of factors, right? But it's just an interesting sort of baseline demographic, I think. It's interesting to see. My thought is... People talk about self-care more nowadays, right? Oh, yeah. That's when it's more prevalent. That's when it increased. So isn't that where resilience started being used more because of more self-care, focus on self-care mentally and physically? Do you have thoughts on that? With social media, there is a certain amount of resilience that you need to have just going into it. And it's like... <laughs> well, like not taking things ex- personally. Exactly. And I mean, yeah, with the... Like you just said about self-care, that self-care does, I think, help you help you be more resilient. Oh, yeah. Because if you're not... I mean, if you're not taking care of oneself, then... What are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, it's like, you got to take care of yourself. It's like, people around you can do everything they can do, but you still got to do your stuff too. Right. I did a little research, and and actually, it's kind of cool that we've touched on this already, but I did a little research looking at psychology today, and there is an author, I'm going to butcher this name, but, you know, that's kind of, (laughs) it's kind of my MO, but it's Ron Brazili. He wrote an article on 11 skills or attitudes that can increase resilience. So okay, I'm going to say each one, and then you you know, chime in with what your thoughts are. All right. Okay. So the first one on the list is connection to others, relationships that provide support and caring. Yeah. I mean, that's to me, that's just kind of like your foundation for resilience. I mean, you got to have a foundation before you can build. Right. Mental and emotional flexibility. Well, that's part of the definition, right, of, of resilience is, is having that elasticity, I guess, to bounce back from whatever your problem or issue was, right? Exactly. I mean, it's like you were saying with like my mindset of how I am, I'm partly able to do that due to that fe- flexibility. Right. Like otherwise I would just be stuck in an emotion all one emotion all the time right right and that's yeah that, that's not doable yeah <laughs> yeah there is a spectrum with emotions that it's it's beneficial to ride that spectrum exactly okay another one is being able to make realistic plans and take action to carry them out that makes yeah. perfect sense yeah i mean it that that's really just kind of exactly i mean what it says is i mean you can't just be resilient without just flying by the seat of your pants all the time. Right. You got to have realistic. Yeah. Realistic expectations of, you know, whether it be your day or, you know, a project you're working on or whatever else, you got to have some kind of reality. You have to have your foot in reality. You can't just be in the clouds. Like I'm going to be president one day. It's like, well, 
you might, but um, you gotta you gotta start making I, a plan for that. I, I don't know who would ever want that job, but it seems like a very thankless job. <laughs> so the next one on the list is being able to manage strong feelings. This requires being able to take action without being impulsive and responding out of emotion. There's a part of me that agrees and disagrees with it. Okay. And so I'll explain that. So, yes, I mean, you absolutely need to be able to manage those strong feelings, but you need, and when I say manage, I don't know, I think it more for me means mm-hmm. process. You oh, need yeah. to be able to how to effectively process those emotions Agreed. so that you can adequately deal with them in response. Yeah. And you're, it's not wrong to have the emotion no i don't think this is the the article itself i don't think it's it's just being being able to manage or balance what those feelings mean and what they are in process i think that's part of management is processing those feelings and i think the hardest part about managing those feelings is learning how to identify them like i mean because that's something that either older and older i get i'm still learning so much about how to identify some of those emotions that I don't realize they're there until they're at that that overflowing the, the, point yeah, sometimes. the breaking point. Exactly. Next item on the list is being self-confident, having a positive self-image. Absolutely, I would say is huge with resilience. Right. I mean, you... You're your own worst critic sometimes, right? Yeah, but you're also your best advocate. Yeah, exactly. My gosh, look at look at how positive you are. <laughs> Holy <laughs> I cow, know, I know, I can't help it sometimes. Jeez. I mean, it's... Gosh, you're such an upbeat guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, you need that... It doesn't... I don't like the word strong necessarily, self-image. Yeah. But, because I feel that that's too... Uh, self-confidence having a positive self-image so that's i guess positivity is on a scale right there could be some things in there that you want to improve but as long as you are acknowledging your positive attributes you know in addition to the things you wish to change i think you're going in the right direction exactly it's a balance yeah it's a balance i mean self-confidence you need to have though and not having it it's sometimes part of the, I mean, that's part of the process of learning how to have your own self-confidence. Yeah. So it's part of the process. The next one we have on the list is being able to find purpose and meaning. That seems like a pretty obvious one, doesn't it? Yeah, I would say so. Like it's obvious for the word about resilience. Yeah. Like in day to day life, I would say sometimes it's hard to find purpose. Yeah. I mean, a lot of us, I would say, It'd be an accurate statement to say that we feel pretty, with our jobs sometimes, we don't really feel that there's a purpose to them other than. Or like, what is the impact of, of me doing this? What What is what is it doing to improve the world? Right? Exactly. Because we all want to make a mark. I don't know if mark is the way I'd say it. I I, I would say. That's fair. That, yeah, I totally, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not about leaving a footprint or a mark. It's more impacting society in a positive way impacting people maybe being sort of a positive role model to people attitude wise you know yeah being able to see the big picture i did weird emphasis on that one (laughs) being able to see the big picture being able to see the big picture is a part of a lot of those other ones i think being able to make realistic plans 
you gotta see the big picture for that. Yeah, exactly. Being able to appreciate and use humor appropriately. I don't know about the word appropriately. <laughs> I mean, with appropriately, I would say know your audience. Oh yeah, definitely. Know definitely. how to read the room and yeah. know your audience. Because yeah. there's sometimes there's just not the right time to make a joke with exactly. humor. Exactly. But exactly. humor is a great coping mechanism in a lot of ways, whether think, it be yeah. for self-confidence, whether it be for hard stuff you're going through. It's a coping mechanism, but it's also a processing mechanism. Oh, absolutely. If you can see the humor in something, then it makes it easier to process, I think, being able to dissect it and see something like that. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Being able to take care of yourself, that's pretty I mean, important. <laughs> that, that, that seems pretty, if you will, par for the course. No, like, let's I just mean, go, yeah, we'll, we'll put a big duh stamp on that one. Yeah, I mean, you got to take care of yourself overall. Right. You still, you wouldn't be here still. <laughs> Part of being resilient is taking care of yourself, I think, just inherently. But maybe, maybe that's something that people don't always do. They, I mean, there's multiple shows on TLC about them not doing it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it, but it's true. You are correct. And then the last one they have listed is being able to care for others physically and emotionally. Yes. Yes. The, I would. So the reason I say yes is because with being resilient, you can also learn resilience through other people and through their shared experiences. Yeah. And you can learn from those experiences, even if you haven't been through them. Right. You can learn how they were able to get through it. So if it ever does come up with you, you are able to approach it in a better, more effective way Yeah. versus if you never had that information or it's, had those connections. Or trusted those viewpoints. Being willing to hear those viewpoints will help you be more resilient. Yeah. Big thumbs up agreement on that one. Hell yeah. So video games video games so do you think of anything as far as resilience in the realm of video games like resilience as a concept is i think maybe a little bit hard to connect to games or do you think that's wrong i think it can be for sure yeah video games are these beautifully written stories interactive stories and I mean, that's why we love doing, being in them, playing in them, living in those worlds. Right. But most of the time you'd play these characters who have to face adversity, pitfalls, you know, rebuilding themselves even, or rebuilding the world around them. And there's a resilience about that. You could almost connect it to the definition. Right. Now, if you weren't looking for it, I don't think you would find it though something i don't think a lot of people would think of immediately it's something like you can see those types of things in characters in movies and characters in video games and books you can see the resilience in some of those people but you can also see the opposite of that too and use that as an example right yeah like of, absolutely of kind of how not to do it <laughs> yeah you for know. sure the characters do you have any any specific examples right now or is it just in general you 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 pick and choose as, as far as like as far as just examples of stories and video games that you think the character has sort of a resilience or it's a part of their 
their arc. It's a game that me and you've talked about before. <laughs> and I, I mean, I love the character. Mm-hmm. I love, honestly, one of my biggest things about the reason I love it is I love it's a female character that's strong. Oh, yeah, definitely. But it's, it's okay. Aloy from the Horizon series. And we've talked about this before on the program. That is a wonderful, strong female character. And they also try and put diversity in the mix all the time as far as different gender identities and and races and and in backgrounds right like just cultures and everything it's yeah. it's amazing it's beautiful i love how so like the way the first one ended you knew there was gonna be another one you did you're right. like yes you can you can spoil it it's fine for for the last <laughs> one it's like you defeat uh hades hades right yeah and then hades gets trapped by Silence, who is the dude that I remember most on Fringe, <laughs> the TV <laughs> show Fringe, that dude. And then he goes off. So and just rides off into the sunset kind of, and you're like, all right, what's going to happen now? Right. And, and Forbidden West is where that question is answered. Exactly. And you ha- you see her go through this whole journey of it's like, there's this really cool moment in it where she finally realizes in the new one, Forbidden West, that she doesn't have to do it alone. Exactly. And part of the re- things we were just talking about resilience is having those people. Everything that she's gone through in the series is every reason to just kind of be done with this. Yeah. Like, all right, you know what? I'm done saving the world. I'm just going to, I'm done. I'm going to make my little house and but just. She basically develops a plan with the help of others. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of those things that's different from the first storyline. The first storyline, for the most part, she was on a a mission of self-discovery. She doesn't know that she's got this power. She doesn't know her backstory. She didn't even know why she was ostracized until, you didn't even find that out, I think, until halfway through the first game. Right, Of right. the real reason of what happened. But she did have some resilience in that one as well. She was doing what everyone else wasn't willing to do. Or didn't know that they had to do, right? Or scared even. Right. Yeah. But in Forbidden West, that is a good point that she is. Yeah, I didn't even. That didn't even. Uh, that didn't even dawn on me. Uh, <laughs> um, it didn't dawn on me. That was a big learning, is learning this, you know, to be able to trust people on a team. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and if you've never had a team, it's it's a process. Definitely is. Do you have any thoughts on the big death in the game? Because I was really angry and sad. I was, it was one of those moments I'm, I don't like that it happened. Right. But I love that it drew me in so much and it gripped me. Yeah. To where I was like, no, what, why, why him? Why couldn't you get rid of the annoying one? Right. Like, exactly. you couldn't have just got rid of the annoying one. You had to get rid of him. You like him. He's fun. He's cool. He's just He's- awesome, supportive. Well, that's the thing, too. His death means something exactly. to the story. And, and, and I think that's an important thing. It's We have that connection with him because his participation meant a lot. But we'll get a little mini him coming up. Exactly. Like I love how his legacy and his like story right. will kind of be able to live on. Like I love that fact. Yeah. I really do. I don't know how long. I mean, that was like, that seemed pretty quick. I, I mean, mean, as far as like they met and then now she's pregnant. 
And it's like, uh... At the same time, you're in a post-apocalyptic world where um, you have maybe six months. You know what? You might guess, as well do your best. I guess time has no meaning in Not that Not when sort you're of constantly thing. thinking you're going to die every other month. Right, <laughs> right. As far as how long the storyline takes, they make it very clear that the, the amount of time between the two stories weeks or very close it was i think it was like a month like a few months i think she because if i remember right they said that she kind of left like the celebration right pretty much like she was there when it started but by the end of it she was already gone trying to figure out yeah i mean which is saving saving the society from the blight well at the time she didn't realize why it was happening and then you know finding out about the impending doom do you think uh, the game designers have something against red vines do you think they're twizzler people <laughs> i you know the blight I think is so. red vine. I it looks like red vines. i, d- I didn't really even does. i didn't even think about it but yeah it's negative well, about mean, the red vines there's one that tastes like very flavorful plastic and then there's one that tastes like plastic that's been flavored yeah exactly which one which one they're both they're both gross different sides of the same coin the blight yeah so that was and as a game it was very successful i think and this is not exactly i love the story i like where the story is going i was a little skeptical when they brought the zenus into it but i think it got wrapped up in a very appropriate sort of way they were able to make it make sense. It's like, I'm not, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's like with one of the scenes where they go into like the crypt and you know what I'm talking about, yeah. I think. And then you're like, oh, so-and-so's here. I'm not gonna lie. It annoyed me though that it's like, I didn't get to see it. I don't know how you would have portrayed it. The disfigurement and, and things, maybe it's better left to the imagination. You know that this thing, or at least that's what he became or she became. Yeah was a thing and not human anymore that was an interesting piece of it too that was a very interesting little pop thing that happened i was like okay i think this game to me even though i played it on a previous generation system i played it on my playstation 4 i did as well yeah it was fabulous on the playstation 4 i can only so beautiful i can only imagine how beautiful it is on playstation 5 i mean i've seen some of the things where they show different skin textures and and things that are more realistic i mean if i had just if i had like five grand to be able to have my dream set up with it and just see how beautiful that was yeah oh man for what it is even with the long loading times sometimes you would run so fast out of a certain scene and then there would be a loading screen to get the next segment of the environment ready and i think they're trying to um trying to fix that as much as they can in patches. I had one sort of bug that was easily, I got around it by loading the previous area, but in one of the vaults where you fight the big Loch Ness monster looking. Oh God, <laughs> looking the, enemy. what are they called? Uh, tide rippers. I yeah, think. that's, that's exactly it. Tide like, rippers. It's like, it's directly, ne- it's Nessie. Definitely the tide ripper. It, when you had to go between two areas, I died in such a way that stuck me behind the in, behind the wall of the actual environment. Oh. You know how that happens? And I couldn't get out. So I actually had to go to a previous save. I think they did a good job as far as, you know, like you could remember the days where you you personally had to save every 
so often because a new game you were afraid that the bugs would get you to a point where I didn't have that with this. I didn't have yeah, that. I didn't I have that feeling with this. And it's interesting because when you go into this, the load, they have auto saves that occur regularly, not just the ones that you initiate by going to the fire, right? Yeah, not just the quick saves. Exactly. They have actual exactly. auto saves. So, so I think that's good. That being automatic allows you to go back to a point if you run into something that's problematic. Oh, um, absolutely. And I think with going forward with how just massive our games are now, I mean, they're massive. Yeah. And it's like with the more complex something is, the more potential problems there's going to oh, be. Yeah. I mean, that's just yeah, the reality of it. As the complexity increases, so does the potential for issues. Exactly. And I mean, that's just, that's how it is. But I think that they did a really good job of making it so you, us, could troubleshoot it in the way of, you know, yeah, loading, yeah. saving, getting, all that yeah, stuff. Getting around it. Yeah. Exactly. So I have one, just one, <laughs> one major criticism about the game the water levels on the game i don't mean to parrot chris he had this what i would call a rant sort of a rant on Fair. how all water levels suck this specifically in horizon forbidden west you get to a point where you can travel underwater without worrying about losing your breath right which yes. is which is wonderful which is I wish I would have realized sooner. Do you try to do some searching without it? I tried to, and I was like, okay, this issue is going to be have to be somehow addressed. I was trying to play it like I did the first game. Uh-huh. Go through area, clear area, move on to next area. Right. And this one, it's what I loved about it is that you couldn't do that. You had to visit it multiple times mm-hmm. to, to clear things and, and find other artifacts. It did do a great job of that, too. And I think... The game itself is nostalgic. I played the original so long ago now. I, I've forgotten the mechanics, but I remember the feeling, and it just brought me back. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what's changed in the dynamics as far as the way you control and the way you shoot and stuff like that, but it didn't feel... It felt familiar. Yeah, right? it didn't feel too crazy new yeah it felt like an old friend yeah i think the only one of the only new things is those the the way you you have those super those you know like the super move kind of things where you can oh the um yeah i know what you're talking about yeah Yeah. but Uh, i think they did a good job on keeping them a little keeping them balanced oh exactly it's not just like cool i'm going up to a thunder jaw and i'm wrecking this you still have to consider your moves carefully let's get back to water the water levels of the game. <laughs> so what were your thoughts on the water levels? Certain areas where there are missions that occur underwater. Yeah. And there are certain areas where you have to do those as a part of the story, but there's also exploring that goes on where you can, where you have to find, explore cave systems and get a commodity to build your armor. Right. Yeah. And, those were really annoying to me. It felt like like those, like getting the um, green shine, yeah, exploring yeah, the caverns, the or completing stuff. the caverns, you know? Yeah. If you want it to read completed. It felt like, it just felt like something they added, honestly. It didn't feel like it had a real purpose, except yeah. to give you another thing to do. Like, yeah, there may be a chest or two in there, but overall... I, it keeps telling me, it's like, oh, green shine this, green shine that. 
I haven't used green shine for anything. Like, I think I used it to like upgrade something one time. Yeah, I think when you get the higher level equipment is what you use a lot of the green shine for. But it's yeah, I think it's it's somewhat useless. But I mean, it is a part of what well, you need it, to do. And one of the things that it's I don't I still haven't figured out at least is like keep saying you know oh some merchants will want this or whatever. I have not ran into a single one that wants it. Yeah. It's like to trade it for something useful. I'm like, I I still haven't found those. The water levels also, a lot of the dynamics has to do with stealth. And there are the synthetic life forms that, you know, you have the different varieties of them, but there are some that can go underwater, right? Yeah. And you have to avoid them by going into stealth kelp. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell so they can't see you in the stealth kelp my first thought on that is well then take this stealth kelp and make it into some sort of crazy armor so then the machines can't see you and you can just snipe them it, it's kind of a it was one of those things that it's like okay it's cool that we're finally doing some underwater stuff there wasn't it never really felt like a purpose to it they did have missions where you had to go underwater to actually get components but it just felt like a chore and it wasn't fun for like the one where like you go to the ship to get the components for yeah, something yeah okay that one it made sense right that one i will say it was the only one that really made sense outside of that i'm like why are these even down here yeah. this makes no sense of why this component's even down here they tried to add some more depth and it just seems like they kind of it was needless yeah like yeah. it was a cool idea but it didn't pan out because it's like all i can do is run away from things yeah i, I can't do anything else or hide R yeah. right run away and hide from them yeah everywhere else you go in the game is if you get attacked you have to deal with it right yeah and you can actually deal with it in hand-to-hand -hand combat or in a variety of ways but mm -hmm. underwater you don't have that. You have no option. There's no way to defend yourself underwater. You can play the game very stealth-based, very, well, I'm going to just go in, yeah, you know. That's the thing. You can play the game proper any way you want to. Mm -hmm. But when you're in the water, you can only play it one way. And yeah. that way is to hide from the machines. And that's not enjoyable for me. Part of the fun is that you can go from, with the game, is that you can go from being the sneaky you know, stealth to immediately just wrecking everybody. Yeah, exactly. That's part of the fun. Right. Take down that thunder job pretty quickly. Exactly. If, I mean, I've seen videos where people are doing it in like a minute and I'm like, I played it for a pretty long time. I still have it installed. I got a platinum on it. Speaking I'm, of that. Yeah. <laughs> I have a little gripe about that for in a little bit. What's your gripe? One of the achievements. I'm lacking one achievement to platinum it. Okay. And it is the pouches. The pouch achievement. Okay. Unlock all the pouches? Yes. Okay. All my pouches are unlocked. So there is a bug that it, I didn't get it. And I have every single pouch, all of them, hmm. completely upgraded to the highest level. And I'm like, I'm a little annoyed because I'm like, I've done everything. I should have a platinum well, for this one. <laughs> here's the thing. I mean, I guess looking forward to when they... Like they did with the last game, they introduced a new game plus mode, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe upgrading your pouches and that is part of that new game plus mode, right? So, and that's kind of so what I'm holding off for. The second time. You could probably just play the first few hours of the game again, I guess. I don't know. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could, I could just, up, yeah, I could probably do that. But it, that is annoying. That is definitely an annoying. It's like I, I did everything. Well, I'm sorry. It's you all good. That. Let me just say, it's not my fault. And uh, why don't we blame Aquaman? Let's blame Aquaman for okay. every water level right. problem. Exactly, it's his fault. <laughs> it is. One last thing before we wrap up the show this evening, we were talking about resilience and. There is a game that was developed to basically a recovery sort of game. So let me tell you about this person, Jane McGonigal, who is an American game designer and author. And she thinks that mobile games and digital technology can be positive. So that is her sort of making things that enhance the positivity of using a mobile device She got her bachelor's degree in English. Um, After that, she started developing games, uh, mostly mobile games. And in 2006, at the age of 28, she earned her PhD. Uh, 2009, she suffered a debilitating concussion. She was in a car crash. Okay. So she developed, in order to manage, you know, to track her progress to to become what she was right to recover which is part of resilience she developed this game called jane the concussion slayer later it was changed to super better she still has it out what the game is i mean let's you know i'll tell you about the game after i explain more about her but she wrote several books in 2011 she uh, wrote her first book which is reality is broken why games make us better and how they can change the world, which sounds pretty. Sounds right up my alley. Yeah. Then in 2015, she put out a book about, I'm guessing, her experience, how she developed this game and why. And I think it's more autobiographical, but I haven't read it yet. But it's called Super Better, A Revolutionary Approach to Getting Stronger, Happier, Braver, and More Resilient. All right. And then finally... She just came out with a third book, actually just like a couple months ago. Oh, wow. Boy, she's got really long book titles. Let me just say that. That's my only (laughs) criticism. I think it's very impressive that you developed a game to help you recover. That's amazing. That's awesome. But she needs to work on her book titles. It's called Imaginable, How to See the Future Coming and Feel Ready for Anything, Even Things That Seem Impossible Today. Okay, that sounds more like a forward of a book than a title. <laughs> yeah, that's a very long <laughs> book title. You know, you don't even have, need any pictures on that cover of the book because... You know, well, there's no room for them. But it was released. It, I'm guessing that, that that is more of a... It's a self-help kind of book, it seems like to me. It kind, kind of, of sounds building, like it to me, too. Building on her super better sort of experiences. Now, let me tell you about the game Super Better. I don't know if I would call it a game... I would call it more of an interactive story or an interactive narrative. So basically, there are certain tasks that you do that you kind of sometimes you take for granted. Like one is chug a a glass of water. Yeah. And you get a power up for that. And they have different segments that help you with different types of things that you want to overcome that you can add these things that are there are missions, power ups and bad guys that you have to face as a part of this narrative. And it is just like real things that you do in day-to-day life 
but there are positive things that once you get to a certain level, you fight these bad guys. And it's kind of a way to, I guess, gamify life. Although Jane doesn't like the word gamify. <laughs> I, I can kind of agree with her on that too. Because this is more, this is sort of a self-help. It's a way to build resilience, right? Or to bounce celebrate. Back. It's a recovery plan. I think it's something that can help people could help people who are struggling at least give them a direction. Like one of the things that we talked about for resilience is mm-hmm. maintaining that positivity. And it was a very interesting idea that is coming up with this game that allows you to experience a story. Like I, I beat a cactus monster, right? Yeah. So it's like these little things that you can do day to day and it increases your stats and you know, you can, get more and more things that you accomplish and create your own. So it's kind of, it's part self-help, part game. Yeah. And I think a lot of what she stands for and what she talks about in, you know, how multiplayer and connections. One one of the things that you mentioned towards the end of our non-video game discussion was connections with people and 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 others right correct that is exactly what she promotes through like as far as gaming like that is a very strong thing that can build a positive sort of community i want it to be that i want a strong positive community right now it just feels very toxic as far as a lot of the social media stuff but but i mean as far if you can make a game that has a 100% positive curated sort of environment. Great. I love that. That's a, that's a wonderful idea. I I love it. I love that idea. Yeah. I mean, that's, what do you think of the super, super better sort of game thing? I think it's a really cool take on dealing with an issue and overcoming an obstacle. I think it's a really cool, creative way to do that. And I think that hopefully, we're going to see start seeing more of that kind of not genre isn't the right word, but that kind of creativity come out in people with dealing with whether it be traumas or, you know, just obstacles in their life. I think it'll be really cool. That's the thing. It can be a tool. Game playing can be a tool to build positivity for the longest time. It used to be kind of this negative thing. You're wasting your time. But I think as we go into the future, it is a part of our lives now. Oh, yeah. Games, they can be positive. They can probably be negative too. Oh, absolutely. But so can anything in the world. I just like the idea that games can impact people in positive ways because back in the 70s and 80s, it was looked upon as you're wasting your time. It's negative. And it's kind of grown but sitting into this. there drinking and watching the football game all day long was well, okay. not viewed I'm, the same I, way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, you know, I wasn't trying to uh, point that out. I mean, no, that's, I, get that's, I get that. But I mean, it's, you know, it's interesting how it's developed into something that can be helpful. And okay. having a creative sort of take like Jane McGonagall did, that's very, that's very cool. My stepmother sent me this article. And until you brought up the word resilience, I didn't even think about this, but she sent me an article about this woman around the time I started the podcast. Oh, so, wow, cool. Yeah, 
it's really kind of an interesting overcoming adversity story. So that, and that's, that's what resilience is. It is. Yep. So do you have any closing thoughts on the word resilience? It's something you have to practice. It's not something that just happens. It's something that gets better the more you do it. I think repetition definitely does have a part to play in being resilient. One other thing, forgive yourself if you go astray. I think that is something that sometimes people have a hard time doing. You're not going to be resilient 100% of the time. Well, right. There are going to be things that are setbacks, but you can overcome them. Exactly. Like Jane McGonigal did, right? Yeah. I mean, she definitely seemed to slay her. Her demon. Yeah, she slayed. Well, it was her concussion. Uh, Yeah, she was slayed her concussions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, well, thank you very much uh, for joining us on this show. I really appreciate it, Rusty. I had a ton of fun. I I'd love to do it again. Yeah, definitely. I'm. I'm. I'll take you up on that. Hell yeah. So, on that note, my name is Ben. My name is Rusty. And we've been your hosts. Have a wonderful night. Have a great night. Bye. Bye.